This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. And this is Jesse. And this is Anna, but it's written Anne. <laughs> Hello. 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 Welcome to the podcast. Thanks or for being on. Thank you. So you uh, pronounce it Anna. Anna is a man. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> it's not Anna. Oh, okay. It's Anna. 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 Well, that's, Anna. Uh, you know, that's the fine stuff of uh, different languages. Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent. All right, the, uh, your website is uh, Anna is a man. Did I say that right? <laughs> dot blogspot.com. So it's A-N-N-E-I-S-A-M-A-N dot blogspot.com. Yeah, uh, feel free to say Anne is a man because Anne it sounds good. All right. Yeah, Anne is man does sound good. It does. Um, it does. So what do you do on that website? I do podcast reviews mostly, mm-hmm. like 99% podcast reviews, uh, anything I listen to. So it's, um, it's stacked with my own preferences, but I do try to, uh, make it, to keep it informative. So I try to expand as much as I can bear. Uh, so I write about uh, podcasts that I think are good quality podcasts and uh, are worth mentioning, and uh, people appreciate it. So I kept on doing it. Yes. Yeah, I know a lot of people appreciate it. I want to tell you the story uh, of uh, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast is um, I was at a Christmas party uh, at Christmas time. I, I, maybe I mentioned this in an email, but uh, I was at a Christmas party and. Um, uh, I was seeing a lot of relatives I haven't seen for years, and one of them uh, came up to me and says, "Jesse, Jesse, I saw you on Anne is a Man," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and he says, "Yeah, I love that website, and I noticed that you have a website too." <laughs> and he was really excited uh, that uh, I had uh, done some cross promotion with you. Uh, we both did five free favorites. Five free favorites. You did one for us, and and I did one for you. And thank uh, you. And he was like, uh, he was super excited about uh, me knowing you, and that that he found me through you. Yeah, but how did you find me? Because actually, we don't know each other. It's just uh, that we both have blogs. And as a side note. I'm very happy your relative uh, knew my blog before he knew yours, but this is, of course, uh, against the order of nature because your blog is uh, older and bigger and uh, more revered than mine. Oh, so modest and and so flattering. Well, Imagine. I appreciate that. We appreciate yeah. that, I'm sure. Um, I, I, I think I must have found you uh, just by doing search for podcast reviews because... I'm always interested in what's what's podcast out there, and I know that um, uh, I've I've been reading you at least for a couple of years, at least. How, how when did you start Anna's Man? I started the blog in May 2007. Okay, yeah, so that, and that's not too long after us. We started in 2006. Um, it looks like you had 412 reviews on well, we, on we the first year. Or posts. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. I think we started... Yeah, yeah, I thought you just celebrated 10 years of the blog. Seven Seven, years. Seven years. That's right. Seven years. What am I thinking? 2006. On Wednesday, it'll be seven. Oh, I thought it was... Masaltov. I thought it was last Wednesday. No, isn't it the 31st? Oh, we're so old now. I I thought it was the 23rd. Oh, I thought it was the 31st. I could be wrong. But it was March. It was March, yes. It was that March. Anyways, <laughs> we were being born at the time, so our, our memories are not so clear. That's right. Uh, That's right. Well, I'm, I'm getting old myself. <laughs> so what, what drew you to podcasting? Is that um, just something you got into and you'd sample everything possible? Or uh, how did you get involved with that? Well, that... Uh, the reason I got involved with that is uh, closely related to the fact that I am a Dutch person who is living in Israel. And uh, a couple of years ago, uh, on uh, one of my searches on the internet for anything Dutch that I could sort of use to stay in contact with my uh, uh, roots, uh, I bumped into some Dutch podcasts. 
uh, and uh, I just figured out that there was uh, a possibility for listening to Dutch radio through streaming. And of course, my uh, internet connection wasn't supporting that very well. So I was trying to figure out whether there were uh, recordings or ways to record. And, and this is how I find, uh, found um, a Dutch podcast. And I didn't know what a podcast was, but their website instructed me to uh, download and install iTunes. And uh, once that was there, I uh, f- uh, f- negotiated my way into their library. And then this whole world opened up. It's like uh, going through a gate and entering a new uh, universe. It's, it, is, it is like that, isn't it? It's, it's kind of interesting. I think um, the fact that so many people don't know what podcasts are. You know, the, the one guy who, who sort of cared what a podcast was at that party, um, that's pretty rare. And I, I got a lot of smart people in my family, but... Just the fact that most of them, you know, if they've heard of podcasting, they're still not all that interested in it. Um, it, yeah. it is kind of like a secret world that's that's uh, out there. Um, exactly, and it makes it very exciting when, I by chance, so. you bump into somebody. Hey, you listen to podcasts? Yes. Wow. Do you know BBC's In Our Time? Yes. Oh, I listen to that all the time. There, there you go. That's, that's what one, happened to that's me. You know, somebody figured out that I was listening to podcasts, and he, he gave me his OPML file and had 10 new podcasts to listen to. That was fantastic. <laughs> what is an OPML file? That's something I'm embarrassed to say. I don't know what it is. Oh, well, that's... that's uh, yeah, well, it shouldn't be too difficult to... Difficult. Uh-oh. Downloading your uh, podcast through uh, any kind of RSS reader, whether it is iTunes or anything else. So you've got actually a list of subscriptions and those URLs to the podcast. And what those uh, uh, applications are capable of doing is just give you a file that it's giving a list of all that, all those subscriptions that you have. Well, this is a simple text file that you can just pass around, and if you uh, have this file of somebody else, you can import it, and then your program says, "Okay, well, there are ten new subscriptions here. Do you want right. to subscribe? Yes, please." Is Go there ahead. a way to export that out of uh, iTunes? When you're in iTunes, you've got your podcast uh, section. Mm-hmm. You can right-click it, and when you right-click it, the menu oh. that pops up says "Export." export. You click huh. export, and then you can save the file anywhere in your file system. But you can choose between several uh, layouts, OPML, TXT, and XML. So OPML is a universal uh, layout that can be read by nearly every RSS reader. And this is how you can export between readers. I use this all the time, by the way. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, because uh, uh, if you are regular users of iTunes, then you know if you try to follow, let's say, a uh, hundred podcasts in iTunes, that's just just too big that you can't manage it too well. <laughs> so what I do is I export my uh, podcast to Google Reader because in Google Reader I can organize uh, my feeds into uh, folders. And so then I have all those uh, podcasts um, uh, stacked together. And, uh, and uh, so over the years, of course, I've reviewed so many different podcasts, but I still want to keep an eye on them. What are they? In case something uh, pops into the feed. Exactly. Um, and so SFF Audio is not a podcast. I, I have to admit, I don't listen to it all the time. But I do view, review your uh, feed every week. So I see uh, who's on the show, what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And if I decide that this is a, a, a relevant subject, then I, uh, then I download and begin to listen. And uh, just as we uh, discussed earlier, I'm not afraid of uh, leaving something in the middle. <laughs> so if I, uh, oh, darn. if I listen uh, to a podcast that um, doesn't sort of keep me going, then, well, too bad. Um, uh, so how do, how do we intrigue you more? Uh, we need to have more. Uh, I, I, for example, I'd love to get Dan Carlin on. It, would that would that would that excite you? Yes. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be awesome. I think. Why would you want Dan Carlin on the show? I love hardcore history. I think it's one of the greatest podcasts ever. It's yeah. it's it's, yeah, it's exactly what podcasts are cool at. No, you know that could not appear as a radio show 
um, in the ex- at least exactly the way it it does, and yet uh, it's just so interesting. And it isn't really the you know it, it is history, but it's it's like isn't history cool? Let me tell you a story. Yeah, and it's more of a conversation between himself and the the listener. And that's also where it would fit into your podcast. Because I I, 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 was I think history and also, science fiction go together, like you know ham and cheese, or uh, I don't know pickles and onions, or something yeah, like. Yeah, ham and cheese is not, of course, a kosher combination. <laughs> so, uh, right, you don't. I was going to say it doesn't go together that well, but ham and cheese, I'll agree with that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you don't put your milk with your your meat product. Yeah, at least you don't cut them with the same knife. But I I, I don't know. I, I I'll stick with. Uh, I'll stick with ham. I am actually a Jew, but I, I, I just I'm not kosher. Yeah. Well, um, I'm actually not Jewish, but since I live in a Jewish surroundings, I'm completely adapted. I'm assimilated. You're completely kosher. <laughs> no, I'm not completely kosher, but you know, mentioning uh, uh, mixing milk with meat is some something that <laughs> causes the shivers uh, among people around here. Who don't keep kosher and will mix meat with with milk, but. They won't mention it. You don't talk about it, please. Right. That, yeah, that's it's, funny. It's you know that that really that, that that breaks me up. That's good. Like <laughs> it. All right. Well, um, uh, you mentioned um, in our time. I I really like in our time, but it it basically depends on what the subject is. I think, um, yes, and exactly. it is also very much a radio show as opposed to a podcast. I think. Yeah. Which which comes with uh, serious drawbacks and a couple of advantages. What what would you say the drawbacks are, and what would the advantages be? The biggest drawback is, of course, that since it's a, a radio show, uh, they are uh, they are scheduled, so um, they have to start at a certain amount of time. If the guest is late, then he'll be late. Right. And they have to stop after forty minutes, and and frequently it's just not finished. Yes, and you you just mentioned Dan Carlin. Dan Carlin will go on for hours until he is finished, it's and you true. get the whole thing. And it also is not scheduled, so you know yeah. the, he. You know, if you listen to his other show, Common Sense, he's always saying, "We're working on another show. Don't worry, we're working yeah. on another hardcore history. It's just it takes time, and it's like exactly, well, and you won't get it until it's ready. Exactly. Uh, I can't tell you how many times uh, an interview that I've been watching on television has gotten interesting and then they say well we're out of time <laughs> yeah you know it just hits and, and it was of course like, boring the first 10 minutes yeah exactly yeah, yeah. well you know uh, if things are starting to change because of the internet just for that that uh, way uh, for example um, uh, the John Stewart show the daily show um, when they have a, an interesting guest or an interesting uh, re- interview they will say, you know, the rest of the, you know, we had to cut this for time and the rest of the interview is up on, on the website. Um, yeah. But you don't get that very often, at least with radio shows. It, you know, CBC doesn't do that. And I, I know BB, In Our Time doesn't do that. CBC does never do that? It's very I rare. Think if I they, saw Tapestry of, occasionally do that. They, uh, Tapestry has done extra long episodes? I know Spark does, but Spark is, you know, ex- exceptional. It's about the internet. Maybe I got Tapestry mixed up with uh, Speaking of Faith, but they're sort of copying each other pretty... Uh, I, I thought I saw that Tapestry was offering the, the full-length uh, audio once in a while. That You might uh, be right. Speaking of Faith have started doing that actually regularly. Tapestry, I, 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 I'm... I'm completely a-religious, but I think Tapestry is one of the best, best radio shows ever made. Um, wh- where, where is Speaking of Faith from? Is that another public radio? That is uh, American Public Media, ah, APM. Okay. And they have the same subjects, the same guests, uh, and the, uh, the presenter, Krista Tippett, is very similar to Mary Hines. Wow. Uh, is there a co- a commercials in the American one? Uh, well, I think they start every program with uh, this program is sponsored by the Fetzer Institute. Canada wins, <laughs> <laughs> just like at the Olympics. I mean, wait, no, sorry. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think uh, the other CBC show I wanted to ask you about, I don't, if you've mentioned it, I haven't seen it recently. That is Ideas, CBC's long-running from, I think, the 1950s. Um, nightly, hour-long show about ideas. Have you heard this show? No, I haven't. I should check it out. Okay. It sounds exactly... Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, there's a whole lot of Canadians who stay up late at night uh, from 9 till 10 and listen to this. It, it's often lectures. It's documentaries about very obscure, interesting topics. Um, uh, I've purchased many, back before the they had a podcast, I purchased many uh, um, cassettes of, of their lectures and Cassettes. Yeah, wow. I know. <laughs> You're old. <laughs> it's retro. I did the same thing. It's. it's I've got uh, some of those cassettes still around. I've digitalized, digital, digitalized them. Who invented this word? <laughs> <laughs> digitize. Hey, I missed uh, the digitize? name of that. Oh. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. I missed the name of that, Jesse. Ideas. Ideas. I, ideas. Ideas. From CBC? Yep. Yep. Just ideas. Okay. Um, now they have I a podcast know, uh, called The Best of Ideas, um, yeah. but unfortunately, they don't. You know, it is only uh, a selection of what's available. They they have a, a five nights a week of of really amazing intellectual stuff that's right up your alley. Really, is there any crossover between ideas and big ideas from TVO? No, 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 no. Big ideas is um uh is not not nearly as long running. But uh, Ideas is uh, an, an amazing, amazing show. And they, they cover, you know, I, I've done a few reviews of uh, things they've released over the years. One of them was a uh, documentary on Robin Hood. Um, I just had another post oh. about Robin Hood recently. But, you know, Robin Hood scholarship. You know, who is this guy in history? Yeah. Is this a real person? And uh, how is the various manifest manifestations of him been translated and there, there was just a uh, I think yesterday I just posted another CBC um, uh, writers and company Robin Hood related thing I, I listened to one uh, or I've heard it several times called Radio Lab uh, mm -hmm. from WNYC um, in New York and occasionally he's on NPR I don't know if they are, they're all uh, WNYC is, is a NPR station I think okay um, but uh, this guy Robert Krolwich, he does a science one. Um, uh, I can't remember what that's called, but they're always very interesting, and they sound really good. Um, they use radio or audio to uh, great advantage. But Radio Lab, uh, its show is kind of an ideas type of a show too. It looks like they they just did a show on Fu Manchu. Who did Radio? They Lab? did Radio Lab. No wow. Yeah, Fu and Manchu. You did one last week. I know. Oh, wait. I think Fu Manchu is a chimpanzee. Oh. No. <laughs> oh. Well, maybe not. I don't know. They've I'll, got it I'll, all I'll wrong. Mark this. All right. I don't, I don't see any Fu Manchu on there, but... I'll send you the link. Okay. No, he's yeah. not a chimpanzee. That's not a chimpanzee. It's a uh, orang orangutan. Orangutan? How do you pronounce huh. Orangutan. Orangutan. It's, uh, it's Indonesian. It's orangutan. Yeah. It doesn't Orang even rhyme means, with a uh, person or man, and Utan is uh, of the of the forest. Yeah, it's a forest man. He is kind of a forest man or woman. Yeah, that Radio Lab is it's a really nice show. That it it goes to show um, uh, it's it's something that you really have to keep an eye on, and uh, when they have the right subject for you, that's that's the place to go. Because their show is not that long, isn't it? It's like thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the little science ones he does are like news stories, so they're just maybe seven minutes. But oh. uh, they did one a while back that um, I I kept, and it's about how uh, you know our signals go out into space, and why you know have any aliens ever been able to uh, you know hear those signals? Uh, how far have our signals gone since? since they started and um you know one of the reasons you know that it, it, it kind of it shouldn't have surprised me but the the signals get so weak by the time they hit like pluto that it's part of the background static of the universe 
So, yeah, you would have you know, to have a dish of the size of a solar by, system. You know, if they are flying by, the chances of anybody flying by and and saying, "Hey, there's something going on over there," um, it may not be that great. You'd have to have a dish the size of a solar system to pick up uh, a signal from. And the, it's, a, it's they're not a focused. Wonderful, wonderful description. Uh, you know, it's uh, funny. You know how they do it, uh, and it sounds great. And um, anyway, that was a, a Radio Lab production. Had some to do. Yeah, the, so the name of the podcast had something to do with Lucy from uh, the old Lucy show, because they used the Lucy show as uh, what was sent into space. <laughs> one, Why one, would they? one. Uh, this might be a question for the person who runs the Do It Yourself Scholar. Um, who is that, by the way? The Do It. Her name is Dara. She is uh, um, from California, mm-hmm. and uh, and she's um, she's specialized in uh, uh, reporting about educational audio from the, all the university suppliers. There's this hugely uh, rapidly uh, growing amount of university level podcasting mm-hmm. out there um one of the one of the ones i was either through you or her that i i discovered and i was just like one of the ones that is the gem that you want to share with everyone is the uh, victor maganga of uh ucsd on east asian political thought uh, have you heard that yes i have i thought that was the most amazing insightful professor speaking about a, a you know lecturing about uh, a topic i knew nothing about but was endlessly fascinated with i took the whole course uh, and i i think i i signed up for one of his other ones as well yeah uh, and and he's running a new course this uh, this semester on the same topic or on an, on a different topic it's oh. i think it's politics and warfare this uh, semester which right. is also a very good one okay Victor Magania at UCSD is uh, giving a, a new course this uh, semester, and it's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it is politics and warfare. Mm-hmm. And if you like Magania as a lecturer, uh, then I think you will like him on almost any subject. I think he's a great lecturer. Um, I just was amazed by those courses. Are they still available, or, or, or do they, are they taking them offline forever? Do you know? The, the UCSD are terrible in this respect. They... Um, they take them offline. Almost every course is taken offline at the end of the semester. So if you uh, happen to run into some uh, subject that you like, you better download them as they come immediately and, and, and keep them stored. And, of course, uh, another problem with uh, UCSD is that they record their uh, lectures automatically. And yes. so recording frequently starts when the lecture has not yet started or has already started, and, and, it, can, and it runs through... Even if the lecturer is, uh, is, is, has stopped long or it just stops because that's when it was planned to stop and he's still talking. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah, so, uh, you even I get the midterm them... examination if you want to listen to that. <laughs> I, I think I, uh, I, I started listening to it and it has this, this is a USCD podcast or something. Then there's 20 minutes of, of nothing and then yeah. he starts in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. But it's still worth it. I, I think that that was just some amazing, amazing lecturing. Yeah, but they could they could uh, take a page uh, out of the book from uh, let's say uh, Berkeley or Yale, mm-hmm. where everything stays online and where uh, especially at Yale and also Stanford, by the way, um, the the audio is good and it's edited so that you know you start at the beginning and you end at the end. That that but reminds me. They just don't me. spend that kind of money on it. That reminds me of one of the things I liked. Uh, I was reading about your on your blog this morning um, was about your your um, you have a, a question. Your answer, I guess, it's in the FAQ section. You're asking uh, why don't I rate or why, yeah why don't don't I give ratings to podcasts? And this is a question uh, that we confronted early on in our website. You know, what, where are we going to give things a score out of 10? Or um, there's another website that gives a score out of 9, giving, you know, 1 out of 3 for sound, 1 out of 3 for the reader, and 1 out of 3 for the, the book itself. Um, yeah. you, you decided not to do that. What was your logic behind that? 
I think I've written it there and I've written it such a long time ago. I'm probably going to say something <laughs> different now, but I, I re- it's, it's also a, a completely intuitive thing. I just detest ratings. I think they say absolutely nothing and uh, you end up with, the, with things that get a, a different rating that are similar or things that get the same rating and that are so different. It just doesn't tell anything. Yes. Or if you if you give ratings not out of ten because what what basically is the difference between six and seven? So let's give a rating of five. It's a three. It's a four. Uh, you'll you'll end up with everything giving a, f- a three and a four. Uh, you will hardly ever give one, two, or five because. Okay, so that's that's no, uh, well, what I, I, I feel is bad in rating. But way. in addition, in addition, I think that if someone reads a post that I've written about a certain podcast. He will know, this person will know whether this is to his liking, whether or not I have liked it. Mm-hmm. So if you give some piece of information, people can decide for themselves. So what does this rating do there? Yeah. So I, I decided to, to dispense with that and not you know, waste my time on, on thinking, oh, how should I rate this? I think it does. I think one of the things it does is when you put a rating on something, you know, out of 10, uh, that is part of what you go in asking yourself is saying what what should this be rated and then you make an argument with yourself you know this should be rated this way or this should be rated that way and i think that this is this is a really interesting problem because uh i i wrote a post similar i think something similar to what you did a long time ago about how um how this is the most popular way of reviewing things. You have an essay, maybe, and then at the bottom there's a score out of 10 or a score out of 100. Um, and I, I actually understand the, you know, why people want to do this is because it's a quick, shorthand way of understanding whether it's good or bad. But on the other hand, it ends up being less valuable than engaging with the actual material itself. And it, it's it's a a love hate relationship for me. So I, I love going on Amazon and and looking at the score on a book that I want to read. I want to see if it's highly you know if it's got ten thousand reviews and it says you know four and a half out of five stars. And I say oh that's more likely going to be an enjoyable book than uh, you know two star book. But basically what I'm looking for is an excuse not to read the book. Ah, an excuse not to read the book. Okay. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for any reason not to read the book. Or in the case of a movie, I go on IMDb, uh, I want to see the movie rating. I'm looking for an excuse not to watch the movie. Yeah. Because maybe... Then let me else. ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. So suppose you're looking at a book in, on Amazon mm-hmm. and it's been reviewed, let's say, 10 times. Mm-hmm. And it's got a, a, a reasonably high uh, rating. Mm-hmm. But ten reviews is not that much. No, it's not. That's not nearly. So, enough. so, so the rate doesn't tell that much. And I'm sure that if the rate is rather high, and you feel that maybe you should read the book, and you're looking for a reason not to read the book, mm-hmm. if there is one review that is not very I uh, read that uh, complimentary, one. and the person who writes that comes off as a total jerk, you'll just dismiss that. Uh, yeah. review yeah. or if he comes off as this person knows what he's talking about and all the others that's giving 10 out of 10 exactly. are just oh they're paid by the publisher to do this yeah that, or harriet klausner if you've heard of her uh the the person who reviews 10 million books a year yeah yeah if it's not a real review and a lot of them are just you know she'll she'll reviews um yeah, yeah i do i i look for the negative reviews and if it's written by a 12-year-old who, you know, this is the first book they've ever read and they think it's, you know, crap, well, your your score goes down the toilet too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, then the thing that really uh, allows you to make a decision is the content of the review. And that's why I decided to just write the review. And, you know, if you're looking for scores, okay, then, then my blog is not the right place to go. If you really want to figure out by yourself what would uh, fit you, 
even if this person, and as a man, is not exactly uh, of the same opinions, but he doesn't know how to uh, evaluate a, a podcast and to tell something that is in there, then, then that's all you need. And then you know where, where, whether you want to go there, yes or no. I agree. I, I think you're right. And it's interesting that, um, you know, we were talking before, before the podcast started about, about our, our, our Google ranking. <laughs> the yeah. page ranking. And I was thinking, you know, th- this is absolutely true that, you know, if you want to be popular, the way to <laughs> to go is to, to do popular things. And the n- number one most popular thing you can do is is put rankings on there, I think, you know, ri- scores. I mean, even though page rank is a score, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not a, a thoughtful review by somebody at Google. It's just a number. Yeah. And it doesn't really and tell the, you the much page other ranks- than popularity. Yeah, and the page ranks come in 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 scores uh, of one between ten, and uh, if you have a, a website that is doing some minimal uh, linking through, then you're at two or three anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you're uh, not completely professional and spending twenty four hours a day on your website, you're not going to get past five or six. Mm-hmm. So it's it's within the range of three, four, five that almost all uh, websites like 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 yours and mine and 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 DIY scholars sit. Mm-hmm. So what does the Google rank say after all? Because everybody's got four or five. It's a good question. It's not like it's not like Google um, spends a lot of time advertising this feature, right? They don't they don't tell people page rank page rank. It's it's more right. of the people who are making their websites and. I guess what's that search engine optimization, you know, business that is uh, has been built around Google. Yeah, get your ranking higher, but that's sort of getting off off the track a bit. Hey, we uh, shouldn't before have the show, we, we were talking about reading, and I would love that uh, to talk about that again. Um, and you you said that uh, you like to read good books twice. Yes. Would you mind uh, elaborating on that? Or why do you do that? Uh, okay. Well, there are a couple of books that I just keep reading mm-hmm. over the years. And so uh, I mentioned uh, Thomas Mann, who said you should read every book at least twice. There is a book by Thomas Mann that is uh, in translation. It's called The Magic Mountain. That's a really complicated book. And uh, I read it the first time when I was 18. And there were just, you know, uh, scores of things that I missed out on. And uh, I've, I've reread it uh, pretty recently for the umph time. And uh, I got to throw in a podcast uh, uh, connection here. Mm-hmm. There is this uh, philosophy course on Berkeley by a guy named uh, Hubert Dreyfus. There are several by him. And one of the things that he has taught uh, there and that I picked up was that in uh, Western philosophy there is actually um, a kind of uh, dissonance, uh, an in- inconsistency that we're fed from two traditions: the Greek tradition and the Judaic tradition, if you like. And suddenly, when I was listening to that podcast, I, I realized that that uh, dichotomy was also used by Thomas Mann in this novel, The Magic Mountain. So I reread the novel with what I learned at the podcast and looked at those, those two characters in the book that are constantly bickering with each other. And I, and I much more fully understood what they were talking about this 20th time around. <laughs> but it was also great to read it for the 20th time because I knew that what they were already going to say and then you, you, you're going to fine-tune. So a good book really has that quality uh, that if you read it again, there are new details that, that suddenly you understand why the writer has stuck it there and why it, has, it, it is so meaningful in the story. And that's just savoring the book. It's, it's, it's a really a, an exercise in the discerning. I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry for this. This it's a novel, right? Uh, yeah. The Magic Mountain. I'm wondering if there's an audiobook version of it. I bet there is. I have heard an audio version in German. Oh, okay. I'll see if there's. An and English. that one was done very well because uh, it was it was almost uh, audio drama. They. 
there are many many speaking characters in the in the story and and they use different actors for that and uh, and that was that was pretty cool cool and they also did some sound effects uh, but it's a long book it's it's a thousand pages so oh. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure how uh, how many hours of uh, of listening uh, I spend on that one but it's years ago I heard it well unfortunately my German is uh, terrible <laughs> so I wouldn't understand anything basically yeah. gotcha. uh, well I'll see if there's an English version available um, so so you're saying with um with uh, rereading, you're you're get you're extracting additional value every yeah. time. Yeah, I've I've experienced that many times. You know, doing audiobook reviews because I often listen to an audiobook of a book that I had read before. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a different experience. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, very nice. There is a Spanish version on here. On Audible of the Magic Mountain, and it's two hours long, so I think that's highly abridged. <laughs> two hours and forty-two minutes. Uh, yeah. So wow. I don't think I'm going to be getting that one. It's in Spanish, and it's only two hours <laughs> instead of a thousand pages. I don't think they they could do it all. Um, well, so- maybe they have chosen a, a particular section of it because the yeah. the the interesting thing with this book is that, uh, of course, there are these two characters that are uh, playing out a, a philosophical discussion, and it's pretty long winding. And they may have chosen to dispense with that and go to the juicier parts because there is also a, a romance going on. The, uh, the the main character is falling in love with this Russian woman, and she's like this this um, unattainable love. And then at some weird night, he suddenly manages to catch her attention, and it comes to a wonderful climax. And you can you can pick this out and make turn it into an audiobook, and it'll be mm. worth listening to it, even if it's only two and a half hours out of something that is maybe a hundred hours worth of book. Mm. Interesting. Just looking through your 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 uh, different labels, uh, if you. Very careful to categorize uh, all the different things you've done on your website. You know, you've got ancient history, 56 posts, environment, 48 posts. Um, yeah. Is this, is this uh, diagnostic of your interests or is it more diagnostic of what, what's on, out in the podcastosphere? I think this is indicative of my, uh, my interests. Okay. I I uh, I'm very much um, uh, focused. I find myself focusing on history. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit surprised by it myself because uh, I studied law. I studied some sociology and uh, psychology, and I'm working in the uh, high tech industry. So I could have wound up with uh, entirely different subjects, but I just found that in podcast, the thing that keeps me listening. Our podcast, like Dan Carlin's, or many, many others who are retelling history. And uh, at some point, I noticed that I was always looking for a history uh, podcast. And so I decided, especially on the subject of history, to try and be as complete as I could be. <laughs> so it's, it, it has already gone to the, the point that I'm constantly looking for history podcasts and I'm trying to be point at the web where uh, you know any history podcast that exists that is worth mentioning it should have been mentioned uh, at least once by me and um, and that's where the um, the categorizing comes in also because if you're looking for something mm-hmm. well uh, then uh, my blog is going to become a pretty uh, complicated uh, thing to query as well because I've got about a thousand or fifteen hundred posts up there. At least. So yeah. how are you going to find that thing that you're liking? And uh, so, uh, uh, and then history. If you look at the history label, that's pretty big as well. Five hundred sixty-five. Exactly. So you're going to read, uh, wade through five hundred posts. You're not going to, I guess. So I've decided to um, to make a project of uh, cutting that into uh, smaller sections. And ancient history is one that I've already finished. Medieval history, uh, and that's there are ten more to go, <clears throat> and I've, I haven't uh, d- finished that. You know, the, 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 for lack of time. So oh, that's, that's going to be uh, a great resource. I'm looking at that right now. That's it's amazing, be really. Yeah. 
Uh, one, and that's one of the, the ones whole I point like. of the blog, by the way, helping people to find what they like. Exactly. Uh, one of the ones that I like, I, I, I don't think I've seen you do a, a mention of it, or if you have, it was a long, long time ago, um, is uh, the Memory Palace, which is, I guess, it's kind of like a, a very short version of, uh, of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, but it's more weird history. Have you heard that one? And it's very short. Yes. Uh, I've mentioned the Memory page. Palace uh, uh, many times, okay. I think, or at least a couple of times. Uh, th- th- this is one of my favorite podcasts, and I would it's write fun. about it every time it comes out if there was something new I could say about it. I know and exactly what you mean. Uh, you have to find an excuse, but it's it's three <laughs> minutes or five minutes long, and uh, the presenter, uh, Nate DeMeo, is doing – a absolutely fabulous job of retelling a piece of history and he's putting drama in he's putting the facts in he's he's building up the 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 excitement this is this is a this is a pearl this is is something that everybody should listen to it is amazing even if you're not interested in history it's it's really strange too because they almost all have the same tone they almost have have this bittersweet uh, ending is it that makes history seem like you know we're all just a, a bunch of fools um, who are replaying the same story over and over again with lots okay. of variation. Yeah, uh, I, I I think though you know it's I, I also like the way he sets it up. You know, it's it's he's going to tell you a story that can't be true, right? And he starts telling yeah. you this story that no, and that can't possibly be true, but. He's just recounting what people thought at the time. And then yeah. later on, the facts start to, to come out. And by the end, I'm not sure whether he does that all the time. I, um, what he does do, uh, the way I recall it and see it, is he's just very, very talented at taking, a, let's say, the, the, the boring facts and see where there is this piece of excitement inside and whether he plays it with, this is how people looked at it at the time and now I'm going to tell you how it really was or he's just uh, very, very carefully feeding us the piece of fact so that yes. you're in, in, in pretty yes, much it's, of a... it's told from a very strange perspective often. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's one people should be definitely listening to. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, this, this is somebody who understands the art of narration. It's true. And he does that in five minutes and he does it wonderfully. Is he, has he got another podcast? I, I keep thinking that he does, but I haven't seen one out there. I haven't seen one either. I know that uh, that uh, the Memory Palace has been uh, has moved to a radio station. It, it used ah. to be just a podcast, and it has been picked up and it's broadcast. I think in Chicago, but I I really don't know for sure. Um, and you know, uh, well, I think it comes out every month. I think that that's uh, that's something we need to change. The idea that quote unquote just a podcast. There's nothing just about podcasts because I have. Uh, a radio in my house, and I don't use it. I, I'd much. I, I love CBC, and I love listening to the CBC. But I, I want to listen to it on my own terms. I want to take it with me. I want to have it at hand, uh, and I want to, you know, listen to them back to back or however it is. I, I don't want it on their schedule, and I don't want to not be able to rewind and listen to the part again. Um, the, the idea that, you know, if it's on the radio, it's real. And if it's if it's just on the internet that it's not, I think is a a huge shift that we're starting to see change because at least in the United States and most most of Canada other than CBC, radio is really crap. It's just just not good. I, I, NPR and all the NPR affiliate stations accepted. There's not a lot of great radio out there. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, 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 first of all, Jesse, I agree with every word you're saying, and and the bottom line should be that uh, in a couple of years' time, the 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 world should be on its head, <laughs> and something would be just a radio show, and the real thing is a podcast. There and you it's go. Just, uh, and and what you're describing is 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 the description of the modern consumer of uh, media, and um, but a lot of people are just not there yet. The, this is we're living in 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 a time that this this is what is changing right now, yeah. and we've already passed that uh, that watershed 
but most of the people haven't. And it's interesting what you describe about radio, because the radio, as you describe it in Canada and the United States, that you think is not particularly good. This was the situation in the Netherlands. Uh, when I left the Netherlands and were just few radio stations left that what I would listen to. And I was crazy about radio. Mm-hmm. And I would record shows and listen to them again, or I would order the cassettes, right? Mm-hmm. But... Uh, then I came to Israel, and the, and the really interesting thing is that in Israel, the radio is fantastic. It's really good. And so I thought when I just discovered podcasts that Israel would be the, the, the best market for podcasts because you've got everything here. It's a very small population. You've got people who are used to high-quality radio. People are doing all sorts, bending over backwards, recording shows, exchanging them because they, they want to hear that those fantastic shows all the time. And I keep telling people, hey, there's this thing called podcast. And I keep talking to people who are working at radio. You say, you got you to gotta put this out as a podcast. You got to mm-hmm. just ride the way happening. But what you see is that podcasting outside the English language is just not kicking off. No. No. Uh, yeah, you, very you little a lot of them. Uh, you you I've seen a lot of German uh, and Dutch and I mean you've got some uh 36 30 uh, uh, several are in uh, I don't know 36 posts uh, in uh, in Hebrew another 57 in Hebrew I, I assume these are different yeah. <laughs> different uh subjects they they exist they're just not not popular or they exist they are popular, but the the the, the numbers are uh, the numbers of listeners and the numbers uh, of podcasts that are being produced are just. If you want to compare it to the English world, it's the situation that we had like five years ago or six years ago when podcast was just kicking off. It also means that the few podcasts that are out there are amateur podcasts, whereas I've got a feeling that in the past two three years in the English world. Podcasting has become pretty much professionalized, and if you if you're an amateur and want to make a podcast yourself, and it's something that that really good people like Dan Carlin run into, boy, this is production. This is a lot of work, and you won't be able to put out a podcast every week, as people used to do uh, six years ago. But in 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 other languages, this is still happening, and. The uh, institutionalized producers, they're aloof. They're just not there yet. And they don't have to be. Uh, the, because their audience is not demanding it. That, that They're not turning away. The, there's no pressure on them to adapt. Exactly. And there's no competition. Yeah. And, do, do you think uh, this has to do with, with the, like, for example, iTunes is available at Newsbekistan, right? There's yeah. a new Uzbekistan iTunes, but there's no music store. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, like, and there is, an for example, yeah, exactly. There's, for example, an Israeli uh, iTunes as well. Mm-hmm. And it just offers no podcasts. What? Which, 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 yes, it offers no podcasts Insane. whatsoever. And there is an independent Israeli site that is offering about 100 podcasts in Hebrew. And, and uh, Israelis know their languages. So mm-hmm. you can offer podcasts in any language of the world, and there will be a handful of Israelis who are capable of listening to that. Yeah, there's I mean, Jews, if, if there, Jews from every country in the world, and yeah, probably some in right. Antarctica too. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, nobody's blinking here when I say, yeah, I listen to German podcasts and Dutch podcasts, and uh, I, I pick up the occasional Spanish and Swedish, not that I really understand too much of it, but I, I want to get a feel of it. You know, uh, uh, people from English-speaking world is just their their mind is blowing that you can deal with five languages. What's it's that? It's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, there's when a you, when German you talk language podcast languages. I'm really interested in, and I just can't do it. I I I, I say, oh, I, I understood that bit. Oh no, I can't understand this. Oh wait, I know that word, and it's no. You know, it's like just not enough. Our our language training is not sufficient. If you don't keep up with it, I think. Uh, so how, how many languages uh, are you operating in uh, as a podcast reviewer then? Four. Four, okay. There are four languages I'm completely, uh, uh, I'm, I'm completely uh, at ease with. Okay. And uh, I should be able to uh, add French, but I'm, I'm, I'm scaring away from it. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Yeah, but it's. I think you know, in other languages, it's uh, it's an it's a different audience, and in many ways, anything that happens on the internet first happens in English, and then uh, bit by bit, it happens in uh, in other languages, and also in other uh, countries. So I have tried to pick up as many podcasts from India as I could at some point, and I made a lot of contacts with Indian podcasters, and it turns out that. Almost anything there is in English, but it's the, the situation is exactly the same as in Israel. There are very few people who do that. The few people that do it is just they they can do what anything they want because there are no quality standards. And um, well, then there is, there is the occasional gem, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, other than that, it's um, yeah. Well, it's 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 like the situation ten years ago, and we'll just have to wait. But yeah, I can't go anywhere but up for 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 most of, most of the world, I would think. Yeah. Um, I, w- I wanted to ask you about some. Do you do any non podcast listening? For example, there's the the teaching company is is a a resource that I know Scott and I both love. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. This is a, a a scholarly audiobook sort of thing. What they do is they they go to the universities and they pick a professor and they say. Why don't you turn one of your courses into a course for us? And then they sell this as a package of DVDs or CDs um, or downloads, I assume. Is this something you, you do at all or are you just 100% pure podcasts? Uh, I do this and um, and sometimes I find that uh, one of these uh, just turn podcasts. So, for example, the um, lectures from Yale mm-hmm. have have not been syndicated for a long time and I, al- I already listened to them and I've written about them and then had to explain all the complicated ways uh, that you had to go through in order to uh, obtain the audio and they woke up and they uh, they syndicated it and you can listen to the same series from three, four years back and uh, just uh, download them in a um, with a feed the teaching company, um, I haven't spent money on them, but they do have a podcast or they ha- did offer some uh, audio for free and I've mm-hmm. listened to it. Um, but uh, yes, indeed, uh, so much time is going just into listening to podcasts. And, and <laughs> over the years, I've I've broadened my range so much more. So there is this huge amount of podcasts that I would love to listen to that sit there in my playlist. And mm-hmm. then after a month, I just have to skip them because you know it's it's too late to write a review about them and there are so many new things that just don't come around yeah, to it yeah. pretty amazing really um so where do you do all your listening is this at work while programming or uh, no i don't do it at work i'm not a programmer i'm a, i'm a tester sorry uh, and uh, i have to have full attention to my testing. I, I have tried it occasionally, but that just doesn't work. Um, so I have a 40-minute commute to work ah. every, every day. I do the shop. I've, I've, got a, I've got a couple of kids. I do once a week uh, shopping for the whole family, and that takes about uh, two hours. And uh, there's nothing more boring than uh, going through the aisles in a supermarket. So if at the same time you can listen to uh, a podcast, that really makes up for it. I agree. I, clean the uh, house, I get a lot of I, good podcast listening down in the aisles of uh, of a supermarket. Yeah, yeah me too. So there, yeah. So you just you know you find your moments that you're doing something that there is enough attention space left to uh, to listen to something in the background. And uh, I think I can put in between six and twelve hours of listening every week, or even more. When I say six to twelve hours, it could be twelve to twenty four hours. Well, uh, let's do a pick of the week. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, um, I'll start. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts um, is called Robots, the podcast mm-hmm. for news and views on robotics. I think that it came out of the um, Talking Robots podcast, which I guess kind of wrapped up. And I, I think this one spawned out of that one. Um, the, uh, they come out every couple of weeks. Um, the last two um, podcasts, um, one of which I've heard and one of which I haven't, is uh, Robots, the Future of Artificial Intelligence. And then uh, the latest one is Robots, uh, Chaos Control. 
and um, they they interview people from all over the world who are in the you know uh, robotics research and um, uh, just discuss a topic with them. That sounds good. Yep, I like that one a lot. Um, okay, well, I guess I'll pick I'll pick something here. Um, uh, I've just started reading uh, a paperback I picked up at the at the used bookstore called "Carve Her Name with Pride." This is uh, subtitled "The Story at, uh, the Story of Violet Zabo," um, and then there's a quote from Churchill: um, "She was the bravest of us all." Um, this is uh, the story of. I'll just read the back here. It says. Awarded the George Cross for her courageous exploits against the Gestapo in France during the Second World War. In solitary confinement, Violet suffered atrocious tortures, but never gave away uh, the secrets to the enemy. Um, this is a really interesting uh, nonfiction story, uh, a history story about um, the uh, special operations executive agents operating in France before, before the... Um, Normandy invasion in World War II. There's a movie version which I've just ordered uh, via uh, eBay, a DVD version, and uh, I'm going to watch that soon too. I hope it's going to arrive soon. I, I think this should be a really amazing read. It, it's so far, it's it's quite interesting. I'm a big fan of history, and uh, the more I learn about World War II, the more I am surprised that I didn't know. You know, <laughs> it's a uh, I, I read, I read, uh, you know, I, I have 1941 nailed down, and then I'll read something else. What? I didn't know about that. There's just so much going on. It, it's almost a, uh, an endless source for scholarship. And um, I, 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 you know, Dan Carlin's show is, is like that for me. It, you know, his whole, he did a three-part episode on the Ost Front, the East Front. And this is a so wasn't that a four part episode? It could have been a four or five part episode. I, it was at least three parts, and yeah, it was it, uh, was it was more than six hours of listening. It was mm. it was amazing stuff. Just yeah. the stories you don't you don't hear. We hear endlessly, you know, about Saving Private Ryan, which is a fictionalized account of you know the part of D Day, I guess. But we don't hear that much about about what's going on in the East and. You know the giant tank battles of of uh, the the Russian steppe and uh, even Manchuria and all the, all the amazing things that are going on in what I I don't know if it was Dan Carlin who said it but it's it's the uh, the Iliad of our time you know it's the it's the piece of history that's so unbelievable but actually happened and that there are still people alive who were there and witnessed yeah. it. It's amazing that you, you feel this about the the, the Eastern Front. I've, I've for years I've had this with the the Western Front of the First World War, mm -hmm. which is just as amazing. The f it's smaller, but it's it's crazy. It anyway, is. and some of that feeling really came back indeed when when I listened to that uh, Dan Carlin show about the Eastern Front. And there, yeah, well, of course, the stories never end. It's amazing how how much you cannot know. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's get you to do a pick. So what you do is you just pick something you want people to go do, and hopefully they'll go do it. Yeah, well, I have a very hot tip, and okay. uh, I would like people to try out the podcast that is called New Books in History. Mm -hmm. And this week it's putting out its 100th show, and it really pays to uh, go over the entire backlog, and you can pick out uh, any subject uh, to your liking. I listen to every show and I'm trying to catch up with those in the past that I have not had the chance to listen to. Um, the show is uh, presented by Marshall Poe, who is a historian who works at the University of Iowa. He uh, interviews the author of a new history book that came out and, um, and they spend about an hour and go into the subject of the book and so you're getting in a nutshell uh, from the best people in the field the wonderful pieces of history and while uh, we just mentioned World War II there's a lot of World War II there so Jesse go check it out I, I'm subscribing now it looks like yeah. there's a Jared Diamond uh, uh, piece in there and I'm a big fan of Jared Diamond so Great. 
Oh, uh, the Jared Diamond interview is particularly interesting because uh, Marshall Poe and Jared Diamond discussed not only the book that uh, Diamond put out, but also uh, some issues about history, how the science of history is being carried out as it is and uh, what should be improved there. So um, there's, uh, th- there is even additional stuff in there that is not very uh, usual for uh, the New Books in History show in general. Cool. Great. Yeah, there's all sorts of good stuff in there. Uh, yeah. And this week, uh, the uh, uh, the interviewee, I, I've not yet heard it until the end. I'm in the middle of the show. But this guest, Johanan uh, Petrovsky-Stern, is there for the second time. This is a very very interesting guy also to listen to. So uh, uh, this is worth uh, listening, almost any show. I'm, I'm downloading all of them right now. <laughs> This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.